Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? How are we doing online? I know you can't talk back to us, but uh, hope you're doing well too. Uh, I, this has been a, a good week, obviously. It's been a little smoky outside. That's why we're inside today. Uh, but we're, our team, we were talking this morning, we're so thankful for this facility and just how God's opened this up for us to uh, rent. If you have been with us since the beginning, we uh, met at River Valley High School for a while. And then when everything kind of went down with COVID, that closed down and we've been able to meet here. And so whether it's been outside or here. And so we're thankful for this facility. And uh, one thing this next week that I wanted to uh, let you know before we dive into part four of Underdog is next week we're going to start a brand new series. And we're going to start a brand new series that I think is pertinent, whether you're somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're somebody that is investigating faith, you're not sure what you believe about the whole Jesus thing. Uh, we're going to start a series that'll take us up to the holidays uh, in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is full of principles uh, about all different areas of life that I think will be helpful for all of us. And so it's going to be called Uncommon Sense. And so that's a great time to invite people uh, to be a part of church when we're starting a new series. And you know this, during this season, maybe more than any season, we definitely need wisdom. Uh, we need wisdom for our family. We need wisdom for our, our churches, for our schools. We need wisdom in a lot of different areas of life. And, and Proverbs is all packed full of wisdom. One of the things that we uh, need wisdom for, and, and maybe you've experienced this during this season, and we're actually going to talk about it, is we need wisdom in how we use our words. I mean, have you, especially during this season, have you had a few times where you've been tempted to say or post something that you look back and think, you know what, I'm glad I didn't say that. I'm glad I didn't post that, even though I really felt like it and I felt like I had to say something, but, but you decided that and your filter kind of worked and you said, you know what, I'm just going to pass on posting that. I'm going to pass on saying that. But every now and then, and we all, we've all had this happen, every now and then our filter gets clogged up a little bit. Has your filter ever got clogged up a little bit? Where, where you, there's something that you want to post or there's something that you want to say and 95% of the time your filter is going to stop it and say, whoa, don't, don't do that. You won't want to say that. But once in a while, your, your filter is, there's a hole in it and we'll blame it on the filter and, and something slips out and, you're, and you look back and say, oh I, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe you're the, the one in your family, like your filter works perfect, but you have a family member. Or you have a best friend. 
And you never quite know when you go to a family outing, when it's, you know, the holidays and you're about to go to Thanksgiving or you're about to go to Christmas. Like everybody kind of knows that Aunt Susie or Uncle Jim is going to say something a little bit whacked. And everybody's just kind of waiting for them to to say whatever weird thing they're going to say. And and that's because it's just part of what happens. And, and sometimes what they say is, is extremely funny, sometimes it's hurtful, and sometimes it's a little bit of both. But probably all of us at some point, whether we're followers of Jesus or whether we're people that uh, are investigating faith and, and maybe faith isn't a part of our life, all of us understand this. We've all had those moments where we've said or done something that we regret, that, that, that we feel guilty for, and that we, we, we kind of try to figure out, man, how am I going to navigate coming back from saying that or doing that? And the good thing is that this issue isn't a new issue. People have been wondering how they're going to come back from saying this or doing this. Man, they've been, they've been wondering that same question for a long time. And in fact, there's a guy in the Bible that we're going to look at today to close out our underdog series that was a guy that experienced this in a really big way. His name was Peter. And even if you didn't grow up in church, there's probably certain people like you've heard of David or you've heard of Peter. And and, I mean, some people in the Bible that you've probably heard of. Well, Peter's probably one of those guys that most people have heard of. Well, Peter was a guy who was a a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. He was also a fisherman. And back in this time, if you know anything about fishermen of this time, they were a lot like sailors today. So they were a little rough around the edges. You might not want your little kids around them because they might say some things that wouldn't be super appropriate. And yeah, it's just kind of how it was. They were tough guys. They were hard workers. And Peter was one of those guys that at some point in his life, he dealt with this issue on a huge scale where he said something that he didn't know if he could ever come back from, that he regretted horribly. And one day while Peter was fishing, because that's what he and his brother did, he he had probably spent a little time with Jesus up to that point, but he wasn't a, a disciple yet. But one day while he was kind of the beginning of the story. One day when he was out fishing with his brother, Jesus came by and asked him to do something really radical. It says this in Matthew chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen or in the app. Verse 18, it says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, that were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's what they did. Every day of their life, this was their norm. So they're out doing work. They're doing what they do to make money. That's what they did. And Jesus, it says, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Just like you've been focused on catching fish, what I want to do is I want to, I want you to follow me and we're going to go look for people to, to bring into the kingdom. And, and so you, you think, well, okay, that's, that's a, kind of a pretty big thing to ask someone. What, what was their response? Did they have to think about it? It says this in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
See, this calling that Jesus gave them was a pretty big calling. It was, it was a calling to leave their profession. It was a calling to leave their income source. It was a calling to leave probably some family responsibilities and to follow Jesus and to be one of his disciples, kind of to be an apprentice with him. And over the next few years, what happened was Peter and John and James and Andrew and these guys were with Jesus throughout his whole ministry. So they went to where Jesus went. They ate where Jesus ate. They talked to the people Jesus talked to. They, they stayed in the places that Jesus stayed. They were with him all the time. Peter saw Jesus interact with people that nobody else would interact with. He saw Jesus love people that nobody else would love. He saw Jesus do miracles. He was on the front like line of the things that we read about. Peter was right there. He saw it all. I mean, can you imagine? Even if you're not a person of faith, but just think about it. You've, you've heard about Jesus, and you've probably heard about him from, from church, or you've maybe interacted with the Bible a little bit. Imagine being on the front line. Uh, imagine being with Jesus when he fed 5,000. Imagine seeing all the things right in person that we only read about. And that's what Peter did. He was there. He saw it all. Jesus had called him to follow, to leave everything and follow him. And, and Peter, you'll find out, was a bold guy. He was a loyal guy. And so, man, he did. And he saw all of it. And in fact, with Peter, if you read through the scriptures, you find out that not only was he part of the 12 disciples, but he actually, Jesus had a kind of an inner circle, even in that 12 of three guys. And he was part of that. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that not only was Peter a part of the inner circle, but he was also kind of the, without a title, the leader of the disciples. If you, if you read through when they list the disciples out, Peter's name is usually listed first. He kind of became the leader of this group. And so you, you see this guy, and, and he's loyal, he's passionate. He, he was a, the type of guy that didn't have trouble telling you what was on his mind, even if the filter wasn't working real well. And he was a guy that showed moments of amazing courage, but he also had other times where fear controlled him in a big way. And, and one of the examples of where he shows courage, but also fear, is in Matthew chapter 14. If you, you'll see it up on the the screen. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Like there's that miracle you've heard about where he took a, a, a little lunch and he fed 5,000 people. Well, that happened that day. And, and Peter was there. He saw that. And at the end of that long day, Jesus told his guys, his 12 apostles, he said, hey, guys, I want you to get in the boat. I want you to go meet me kind of in the next place we're going to be, and I'll catch up with you guys later. So Peter, man, he and the guys got in the boat, and they headed to the next ministry location, and, and their plan was, hey, we'll just find Jesus, meet him when he gets there. But their little boat trip that they had planned didn't go as planned. It says this in Matthew chapter 14. But the boat by this time was a long way from land. It was beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, being Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. 
So Peter and the guys, they're, they're out in the boat. They've been, probably it's been about nine hours of battling the wind. They're out in the middle of the sea. And, and it's, it's between three and six in the morning. And so these guys are tired. They've been fighting this wind. It's just not going the way they planned. And all of a sudden, they look out and they think, do you see what, I, what is this? And they look and they see, is, that looks like there's somebody actually walking on the water towards us. Like, dude, what was in that fish and bread we ate earlier? What is going on, man? And, and, and they look and they, they see, man, and it's Jesus coming to them. But they obviously, at this point, they're, they're not quite sure. It says this, but when, they, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Like we all would be. And said, it's a ghost. And they cried out. They didn't even probably believe in ghosts, but now they did. I mean, what is this? At this point, they're probably having to change some of their clothes because they've you know, gone to the bathroom on themselves. They're so afraid. They see somebody walking on the water towards them. And they're like, what is this? It's got to be a ghost. I, I mean, th- there was no such thing as Casper the friendly ghost back then. So we're like, I don't know how they expected this as a ghost. But bottom line, people aren't supposed to walk on water. What is this? And it says this, and Jesus could have left them hanging. He could have played with them a little bit and like, boo-hoo, you know, scared them a little bit. But but I love Jesus. He was really gracious. Says, but immediately, he didn't leave them hanging. Jesus spoke to them saying, hey, take heart, guys. It's all right. Don't be afraid. It's me. It's your guy. And, And it says this in verse 28. So probably everybody else is like, it's still weird because Jesus is still walking on the water, but okay, at least it's not a ghost. We can breathe. But then Peter, he speaks up and here's what Peter says. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Every, everybody else stayed in the boat. Everybody else was just relieved that this wasn't a ghost. But Peter, man, his mind's going all the time. He's thinking, man, this might be my one shot. Like, Jesus, if this is really you, let me come walk on the water. And Jesus is like, come on. So Peter, and imagine this. I mean, just imagine, even though you know that's Jesus, you've seen him do some pretty cool stuff. That first step out of the boat, you still got to be a little bit nervous as you're, as you're stepping out. All right, I'm going to believe in that first step. And he starts walking on the water to Jesus. And that's where, again, a lot of courage, a lot, lot of courage. But then you see what happens real quick. It says this, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got him to the boat, the wind ceased And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So he got out of the boat. And like probably we would have, it's like, well, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm walking on water. But then all of a sudden, it's windy, and I see these waves around me. And real quickly, I get my focus off Jesus, and then I start to sink. And Peter just says the only thing that comes to his mind, save me. And Jesus, instead of scolding him, just picks him up. And they walked to the boat. And it says that it was in this moment that 
these guys who had seen Jesus do so much already, they had heard him talk about being the son of God. But in this moment, as they're in the boat now, and it, the, the, the water and the wind, it's just all peaceful, that they say, man, this has got to be the son of God. And they worshiped, had a little worship service right there in the boat. So fast forward, fast forward a, a few months to the last few days of Jesus' life. And, and Peter, throughout his journey, he's, he's, he's had an up and down journey with Jesus. There's been times like this where, man, he was the bold one. He was the one out front. He was the one that, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll charge. And, and then there was other times when he, he made mistakes and he was fearful and he said things he shouldn't have said. And, and times where he, he just maybe the filter wasn't working real good. And, and so th this is how it's all gone the whole time he's been with Jesus. And Jesus has patiently just discipled and ministered to him and, and knowing that Peter is going to be a big part of the future of this church that Jesus is starting, this kingdom. And so you fast forward to Jesus sitting down with his disciples to have one final meal before he gives his life and is crucified. And as Jesus, he, he's so gracious, he tries to, with his guys, because they don't know, they, they totally, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus literally says, like, guys, the grass is green. Look at the green grass, it's green. And the guys are like, did he say it's yellow? Is that yellow? Not, he didn't really say it, but he was that clear about what was going to happen in the future. Like, guys, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Peter's like, did you see a squirrel over there? Like, totally missing it. So Jesus sits down with them all, last meal, having some time together. He, again, explains to them, hey, guys, over the next few hours, this is what's going to happen. Over the next few days, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again. And he, he's explaining it with the guys. And, and for whatever reason, they're still not catching it. And it's in this conversation as Jesus explains what's going to happen to him that Peter makes a bold proclamation. He says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33. It says this, Peter answered him, answered Jesus, though they all fall away because of, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus, I know all these other boys are soft. I know all these other guys are going to be afraid. You're saying all this about dying, and I don't really totally understand it. But here's what I do understand. All these guys, yeah, they may all fall away. They may all leave you. They all may betray you. But you know your boy Peter is not going to fall away. I'm going to be with you to the end. And Peter, or Jesus says this to Peter. Hey, buddy, in verse 34, Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night... Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And, and Peter, you, you think he would be like, okay, uh, let, me, let me slow my roll a little bit. Let me not be so proud. But not Peter. He says this, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. No, you're God. I don't care. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm with you. I'm going to fight for you. All these other guys are going to fall away. Not me. And, and then here's what happens. A few hours before Jesus is crucified, he, after that meal with his guys, he's talked to him. Peter's made this proclamation. Jesus asked a few of his guys, hey guys, would you come pray with me? It's about to get real, and I just, would you guys come pray with me? And so he, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is praying, and Peter and the guys, they fall asleep. 
And Jesus, he comes back to him. Hey, guys, can you just, for a few minutes, will you mind praying with me? Falls asleep. Comes back to him. Hey, guys, would you just, I mean, can you just give like an hour? Can you pray with me? You know, I'm going through a tough time. They fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, as they're sleeping, they realize that, that something's about to go down because they're awakened because there's guards that are armed that, that with torches, and they're coming into this garden. And so, man, Peter and the guys are kind of groggy waking up, and, and they realize, oh, what, well, this is about to get real. What is going on here? And Peter, again, he's a really bold guy, so he pulls his sword out. And he he's, has bad aim, so he's probably going to chop a guy's head off, but he misses, and he chops the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, dude, stop. And I, I would love to have seen this. Just kind of nonchalantly, Jesus picks up the dude's ear and just reattaches it. And you'd think like that would surprise people, like, whoa, what just happened? But it seems that things just keep rolling. And, and very quickly, Peter and the rest of his followers, the rest of his guys realize this is not going to go well for us. And mo- some of them, it literally says in the scriptures, some of them are so afraid they run out of the garden naked. Like they're, they're, they're like clothes fall off. They're just running for their life. But Peter, he's inquisitive. He's afraid. It's all get out, but he's inquisitive. And so what he does is he follows the scripture says it this way. He follows at a distance. So he definitely doesn't want to be in the middle of it all. So he kind of waits for them to get ahead. And he kind of follows Jesus, kind of joins into the crowd and follows at a distance. Because he wants to see. He's inquisitive. And it says this, as as Peter is just kind of followed at a distance, all the other guys have deserted Jesus. I mean, quickly deserted Jesus. And it says this is what happens in Matthew chapter 26. As Peter is now just kind of amongst the crowd and Jesus is being put on trial, this is what happens. As Peter begins to interact with people, it says this. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied him before them all saying, I don't know what you mean. Like, you got the wrong guy. I haven't been hanging out with this guy, Jesus. I'm not part of that crew. Verse 71, it says this. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl. Like, we're not talking about soldiers with swords. We're talking about little girls coming up to him saying, didn't I see you with? And that's what happens again. And it says in verse 72, and again, he denied it with an oath. Now he's saying, hey, dude, I promise, I'll bet you five bucks I'm not the guy. So it's went from, no, that's not me. You must have the wrong guy to, no, I I, I promise, I'll bet you anything. I wasn't the guy. And then it says this, and after a while in verse 73, and after a a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began, like he goes to another level, he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Basically, he's saying, he's, he's, he's calling down God's wrath on him if he's a lying. He's saying, well, God can kill me if I'm lying to you. I do not know this guy. I'm not part of that crew. And it says this. In, in, at the end of verse 74, and immediately the rooster crowed. 
And this is, and, and we don't see this in Matthew, but in, in Luke, when he tells this part of the story in Luke 22, this, this would rock me. It says this, and Jesus looked at him. So he was close enough to Jesus to where he made eye contact. When the rooster crowed and, and Peter realized, oh, this is what Jesus said. I just did it. It says that he locked eyes with Jesus. And I just can't imagine that moment. Jesus is being tortured. He's bloodied. He's been spit on. And you just denied even knowing your, one of your best friends in his toughest moment of his life. And Jesus, with his gracious, compassionate eyes, catches your eye as the rooster crows. And it says this at the end of verse 75. And he went out and wept bitterly. I mean, his heart was broken. Like Peter realized what he had done. And it says like he was just messed up. He, his, not just, oh, I'm a little bit sad. No, he went out and wept bitterly. His heart was broken over his sin. In his fear for his own life, he had denied even knowing Jesus. I mean, does it get any worse than this? Your, your best friend is being killed for a crime he didn't commit. And while he's being tortured and killed, you deny even knowing him because you're a coward? And this is the last thing that happens before your best friend is killed? Like this is the last memory you have together is you denying him? Like, imagine what, what the next few days was like for Peter before Jesus rose from the dead as he's just remembering the last thing he did for Jesus was deny even knowing him in his moment of greatest hurt and need. How do you, I mean, how do you come back from that? How, how do you come back from such a monumental failure? And, and what's interesting is, is over the next few weeks, as Jesus, he, he rises from the dead a few days later. Over the next few weeks, following Jesus' death, Peter would be reminded of a truth that would change him for the rest of his life. And simply put, here's the truth. Jesus came to restore the condemned, not to condemn those who need to be restored. The, the truth that Peter would be reminded of that would become the foundation to everything he did for the rest of his existence is this truth that Jesus came to restore the condemned not to condemn those who need to be restored see over the last few years Peter had watched Jesus love the unlovable he had watched Jesus forgive the unforgivable he had watched Jesus care for people in their darkest moment and now he found himself in his darkest moment and he was beginning to experience the same grace and the same compassion that he had seen Jesus give to other people because he was in the, the moment of his life that was the darkest, the biggest failure in his life. And instead of Jesus scolding him, instead of Jesus condemning him, Jesus pursued him over the next few weeks. 
See, for some of you that maybe you grew up in church or, and you walked away from the church or maybe you've never been a part of church, this is the reason you probably weren't a part of church. Because you, you didn't experience this. Like when you had your darkest moment, people talked about you. When you were going through, you know, you made your biggest monumental life failure, the church was the last place you wanted to be. Because the church wasn't representing Jesus well. Because the church was full of proud people that sin differently than you and think their sin's better. And that's not what Peter experienced. Peter experienced the compassion. He experienced the grace of Jesus in his darkest moment. He knew he blew it. He wasn't going to make an excuse. He was monumentally, he blew it. And what's interesting, over the next few weeks, you have this little passage in Luke chapter 22 that you, even if you grew up in church, you probably haven't read this. In, in Luke 24, verse 34, and I don't even think I gave it to the people that put the notes in, so it's probably not going to be up on the screen, but, but you have this little verse that you would skip over if you weren't paying attention. And it says this in, in Luke 24, verse 34, it says this. The Lord has risen indeed. So there are some people that were telling some other people, hey, Jesus has risen. But then it says this, and has appeared to Simon Peter not long after that. So before Jesus appeared to any of the other disciples, and we don't know much about this meeting, he met with Peter. Before he did all the things he did after his resurrection, before he, he, he met with all his guys again, there was a moment in those few days that he met with Peter. And like I said, we don't know. Did they just hug it out? Did what, what happened in that meeting? But it's just very interesting that Jesus made it a point to, before he met with any of the other disciples, go spend time with Peter. And then in John, John tells of another story after Jesus has risen from the dead and, and Peter and the guys are doing what they do. Man, they're back out fishing. They're out fishing and it's been one of those nights that it hasn't gone well to the point where they have basically went sailing because they haven't caught any fish. And so no fish. They're like, it's morning time. They're about to come in. Like that was a wasted night. And then all of a sudden they see somebody on the shore and it... it kind of looks familiar, but they're not sure who it is. And, and the person says, hey guys, why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? And so they're like desperate. They have caught no fish. All right, well, we might as well. So they throw the, the net on the other side of the boat and like 150 fish. And the scriptures say like large fish. They get it. So Peter, he realizes Oh, I know who that is. And Peter, again, he's bold. He's passionate. He's, he, he like does things right, right when he thinks them. He just takes off like his outer clothes and he jumps in the water. He leaves the boys to get all the fish and he, he swims to Jesus. And Jesus, when he gets to the, to the shore, he sees Jesus has, has kind of uh, begun to put some wood and fire together. And Jesus is making some breakfast for the guys. He takes some of the fish. He makes breakfast for the guys. And in that moment, here's what Jesus says to Peter. He looks at Peter over breakfast right on the shore, and he says to Peter, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. 
Okay, I will. Basically, do what I've called you to do. A couple minutes later, hey, hey, Peter, do, do you love me? Yes, I just said, yeah, I love you. Do what I called you to do. One more time, a couple minutes later. Hey, Peter, do you love me? You know, man, you know everything, man. You're God. Of course you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do what I called you to do. And so what's, what's cool is you see Peter as he's, you know, he's, he's working through. And we've all had this moment, man, where, man, you know you're forgiven, but, man, guilt comes back and forth. And Jesus just reminds him, Peter, are we good? We, we're good? You know I'm good with you, but are you good? You, you, and it's interesting, you denied me three times, and so now Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Okay, you do? Then let's do this thing, man. Feed my sheep. Let's do what we were called to do. Let's do what I called you to do when I came to your boat three years ago, and I asked you to follow me. Let's go. And Peter was reminded of a truth that is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And it's so important that we remember this. Strength for life is found in a relationship with the creator of life. See, for Peter, it was all about coming back to the relationship. And that's what Jesus wanted because he knew that strength for everything Peter was going to do from that point forward was going to be built and come from a relationship. And so he wanted to remind Peter of that. It always comes back to a relationship with Jesus. Soon after these interactions, Jesus, he takes off, heads back to heaven. He leaves Peter and the rest of the disciples with a clear mission to now take what they've seen and heard, take the story of Jesus' resurrection and take it to the whole world. He leaves them with that mission. And instead of living in guilt, here's what Peter did. Peter leaned into his relationship with Jesus for the rest of his life. And he gave the rest of his life sharing the message that my friend Jesus, who is God, died. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And that relationship with him will transform you because it's transformed me. I've experienced that grace. I want you to experience it. He spent the rest of his life sharing that message. In fact, one year before Peter was killed, he says this. He's an older man. He's at the end of his life. And he, just like Paul, when, when Paul was coming to the end of his life, there was persecution. They knew that it could be any time that they would be killed. That's where Peter's at. He knows that this is not going to go on a lot longer. Here's what he writes in 2 Peter. He says this. I think it is right as long as I am in this body, basically as long as I'm alive, to stir you up by way of reminder. Peter says, hey, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I have breath in my lungs, to the very last moment of my life, my goal is to put you in remembrance of Jesus. I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to experience the transformational power a relationship with Jesus has. I want you to get that. I want to remind you of that. The day of Peter 
and his wife, actually, tradition tells us, the day of their execution arrived. Very possibly it was the same day that Paul was killed. And here's how it kind of it went down as far as tradition. It says this, that, that, that his wife was taken from him and his wife was taken to be killed. And Peter's very last words to his wife from what history tells us is this, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember Jesus. And it says that shortly after Peter's wife was taken to be killed, Peter was taken and he was crucified. He was was put on a cross just the way Jesus was killed. But Peter, this is what tradition tells us, that Peter felt unworthy to be killed in the same manner that his Lord had been killed. So he asked the people that were killing him, turn my cross upside down. Because I'm unworthy to even die the way Jesus died. And so literally to the very last moments of his life, this guy who had had a monumental failure, a monumental, like you don't come back from saying things like that, Peter, to his very last breath, put people in remembrance of Jesus. And because Peter went through the very tough time and because of the failure that he that he had and because of the grace and the relationship that Jesus still pursued with him we are still impacted by Peter all because of that moment and what happened after it it was really his his greatest failure was the catalyst to his pursuit of a relationship with Jesus and his telling of that relationship for the rest of his life. And so we today are feeling the impact of Peter and his ministry because he went through failure and instead of being condemned, Jesus pursued a relationship with him that he never got over. Which brings us to a question. And it really brings us to just thinking about this in our own life. Because we've all walked through a season, maybe more than one, where we have said or done something that we deeply regret, that we wish we could take back, that we're not proud of. And it's usually in these cases that we try to fix it ourselves by either suppressing it or trying to work harder. So we, we try to suppress it by just, hey, let's just pretend. Let's just, hey, we're just going to pretend I never said that. We're going to pretend that never happened. And we kind of suppress it. And, and then there's other times what we do is instead of dealing with it, instead of leaning into a relationship with Jesus, instead of being honest about where we screwed up and leaning into grace, we try to work harder. Like, man, maybe if I work harder, I can make up for my stupidness. Maybe if I work harder, I can can make it up to those people I hurt. See, Peter, in his moment of brokenness and regret, he knew he couldn't fix himself. He, he, He knew he couldn't come back on his own. He was powerless. It was in that season that he was reminded that Jesus came to restore the condemned, not to condemn those who need to be restored. And that strength for life is found in a relationship with the creator of life. See, and and in my small group, we we talked about this last week. And it was a great reminder for me. Jesus came 
for people that were doomed. Jesus came for the underdogs. Jesus came for the people that needed a comeback and couldn't fix themselves. He didn't come for the healthy people. Like if you weren't doomed, if you didn't need a comeback, Jesus didn't come for you. He came for the people that were doomed on their own, that needed a comeback. He, he came and he never, he never, never, never downplayed sin. He never made sin like, oh, that's not a big deal. No, he said, no, it's a really big deal when you sin because it breaks your relationship with God and you need someone to restore that. He never downplayed sin, but he, instead of condemning, he came to restore, which leads us to those questions. And here's the, the obvious questions. Do you have a relationship with God? Like, we can all be honest and say, yeah, I've disobeyed God. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one's going to be like, no, I'm the only one on earth that's never done anything wrong. No, we all have. Probably yesterday. Probably I did five things wrong yesterday. Now, my wife might say, actually, it was 10. Uh, but but we've, all, we've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. We've all done things that God said, hey, that's not the best way. And we've decided to do it anyway. And because of that, our relationship with God has been broken. And so the question is, have you seen that relationship restored? Because that's what Jesus came for. You say, how, how would I do that? Like if I was a person that said, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. Like how would I even start that? Maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning. Well, the first thing you got to do is like, Peter, you got to just admit that you're wrong. Admit that you need somebody to restore you. Admit that there's something broken. Like if nothing's broken, you don't need somebody to restore you. And so you have to admit, yeah, I have sinned. I've disobeyed you, God. I have, it, our relationship has been broken. But then we, we, we have the opportunity to then, after we admit that, to believe that, you know what? Jesus came, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, not for his sin. He wasn't paying for his own sin. He was paying for mine. They put his body in the grave. And three days later, he rose from the grave. So we admit that, hey, I've, I've messed up. I've broken the relationship. But I believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again to restore that. And then we just call on him. We say, hey, Jesus, I admit I've sinned. I believe you died and rose from the grave. I want to start a relationship with you. I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want a home in heaven, and I want to be transformed while I'm here on earth. So that, that would really be the first question, is do you have a relationship with God? And if not, what's holding you back? The second question is this. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you're like, yeah, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. I've, yeah, I've made that decision to start a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was a decade ago. But, but the second question is this. Is there anything in my life that's hindering that relationship? So for Peter, he was a follower of Jesus. He had a relationship with Jesus, but his denying of Jesus, man, hindered, messed up that relationship. And so what Peter had to do is he had to confess that. He had to be honest about his sin 
And then he had to lean into a relationship. And here's probably what you've experienced. And I'm, I'm sad that you, if you've experienced this. When, when we've done something that we know is wrong, like do we really have trouble realizing that what we've done was wrong? Like we sometimes have trouble admitting it, but like, yeah, I, I did that. I said that. I, yeah. I might play it off out, out in front of people, but inside I know. And what we've kind of been trained to do, and it's a lot of religious people that have kind of trained us this way, and it, it wasn't Jesus for sure, it, is we've, we've been trained to, instead of leaning into Jesus during that time, to get away. Because, man, he's going to judge me. He's going to, you know, he, he can't love me. Does he know how bad I am? Does he know, does his grace, does it kind of cut off after I've done this five times? No, we, when, we, when we realize our sin, we don't downplay it. We, instead of doing what we feel naturally, and that's running away from God, that's what Adam and Eve did. They wanted to hide. They were ashamed. What, what Peter did and, and what he experienced was, no, and it's it really in that moment that we need to lean in. We, we lean into the grace of God. We admit that we've sinned, and we lean into that relationship that can transform us. And, and that's really a question you got to think about in your own life is, first, hey, do you have a relationship with God? And if not, man, why not? Let's, let's change that. But second is, if you have a relationship with God, is there anything hindering that relationship? Where you'd say, man, I feel like there's something between me and God because there is. And it's, maybe it's time to just say, hey, I can be honest about my sin with God. And instead of doing what I feel like, oh, he's, he's probably mad at me. No, 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 no. Lean in. Lean in. He pursued Peter. He pursued a relationship with Peter. He knew how ugly Peter's heart was, but he still pursued a relationship because he knew it was that relationship that would transform Peter. So imagine, as we close, just imagine. Walking through life unburdened by your past. Imagine walking through life unburdened by the regrets. Uh, Imagine what, what it might be like to not have to hide from God, but to instead be honest about where you struggle, be honest about where you fall, and to instead of finding kind of a principle or a judge in heaven that's looking down at you ready to kind of squash you, imagine looking into the eyes of a loving heavenly father that says, bring your past, bring your regrets, bring all the things you're ashamed of, bring them to me, and it's the relationship with me that will transform you. Imagine that being your heart and knowing that, man, I don't have to hide. I don't have to pretend I have it all together. I have a heavenly father that welcomes my mess. And he loves me enough that he takes me as I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. And he transforms me if I lean in. The greatest fall in Peter's life became a catalyst to an impact that we still feel today because of a restored relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we close up this series, maybe you, as we've been talking about Peter, whether you're watching online or maybe you're 
you're here with us live this morning, you would say, you know what, Chris? When you ask those two questions, there's, man, I don't have a relationship with God. You know, I've, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've walked away from the church. Maybe you haven't been to church in 20 years. Or maybe you've sat in church every week of your life, but you felt empty the whole time. Today, you could start a relationship with God. You say, Chris, how do I do that? Are you willing just between you and God to admit that you're a sinner? Admit, hey, I've broken your commands. The relationship is broken because of me. You willing to admit that to God? Are you willing to believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for you? And then are you willing to just come to Jesus and, and come and, and just, hey, I want to start a relationship with you, knowing that that relationship will transform me both now and will give me a home in heaven with him when this life is over. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're, you're here and you'd say, man, today I want to start a relationship with God. Just in the quietness of this room, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to pray it out loud. And you can pray this to God in your heart. You can pray it, put it in your own words. It, it, it really has nothing to do with the prayer. It has to do with what you believe in your heart. And we just express to God what we believe in our heart through prayer. And so if you're here this morning and you would like to start a relationship with God, you're watching online would you just right now just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit that I've broken your commands. Say, so I believe, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. Jesus, this morning, come into my life. I want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just in the quietness of this room, did you, did you pray that to God? If you did, I, I'd encourage you to take a next step. I'd encourage you to, on the card that's right in front of you, that next steps card, there's actually a spot where you can say, hey, today I made a decision to follow Jesus. And man, we'd love for you to just fill that out and then on your way out, you could put it in the offering box. If you're watching online, you can do that on the a digital card as well. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you'd say, Chris, I've already started a relationship with God, but man, there's definitely things in my life that are hindering that relationship. And for you today, the next step would be for you to just admit that to God. God, I'm not going to hide anymore. Here's what's between me and you. Here's the thing that's hindering our relationship. Instead of hiding, I'm bringing that out into the light. I'm asking for forgiveness, and I'm asking that you would change me. And I think what you'll find is you'll find the same thing Peter found. Grace, help, and encouragement. Lord, thank you for saving. Thank you for grace. Thank you for leaning into us when we have done things and have said things that we regret. And Lord, you take our past, you th take our trash, and you transform us. And we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.